Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex, or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and a gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I am working my way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I created this podcast to help you learn to express your desires, learn more about desires, spice up your relationships, and create those sizzling relationships that you have always wanted. I do this through solid science, real-life stories, and conversations with an exciting array of experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies that will help you choose the relationship style that works best for you and create exactly what you want and need. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can take advantage of the subscriber bonuses. And if you want to know more, head over to DrLaurieBethBisbee.com and sign up for my email list so that you can find out exactly what is going on in my world from week to week. But for now, come join me and enter my world of sex and relationships. See you inside. Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex or the A to Z of sex, depending on your country. With me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, I'm a psychologist and accredited advanced gender, sex and relationship diversity therapist. And I've spent the last 35 years working with people to help them create and maintain incredible relationships containing sizzling sex and without shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. And this week, the letter is T and T is for tails. And I have joining me the amazing Cecilia Tan. Cecilia Tan is simply one of the most important writers, editors, and innovators in contemporary American erotic literature, according to Susie Bright, who I also credit heavily. For over 30 years, she's been writing kinky fiction and promoting BDSM community activism. As the author of Telepaths Don't Need Safe Words, Slow Surrender, The Prince's Boy, and many other works of BDSM erotica, and the founder of Circlet Press in the 1990s, she pioneered breaking down the barrier between erotica and science fiction and fantasy. Since then, she's published over 30 novels and short story collections, some with big five publishers, some with queer literary presses, and others self-published. In addition to winning the RT Career Achievement Award in erotica and other accolades, she was inducted into the Saints and Sinners LGBT Writer, Writers Hall of Fame in 2010. While maintaining her career as a writer and editor, Tan also served as the creator and longtime director of the Fetish Fair flea markets in Boston, Houston, Atlanta, and Charlotte, and was a founder of MOB New England, a trans-inclusive women's leather and BDSM community group, and a founding board member of the New England Leather Alliance. She was a frequent presenter at Living in Leather, the Leather Leadership Conference, and elsewhere. Before retiring from community organizing to concentrate on her writing, she accumulated many leather community awards, including the Pantheon of Leathers President's Award, NLA International Lifetime Achievement Award, and NLA Woman of the Year. A bi-gender, bi-racial, bisexual switch, Tan believes the brain is the body's biggest sex organ. She lives in the Boston area with her longtime poly primary partner and one cat. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Um, so 
we want to talk about writing. I should say, I remember the first book I bought of yours, which was your chapbook, Telepaths mm-hmm. Don't Meet Safe Words. And it's a person who um, has been a science fiction fantasy fan since I was old enough to read and love erotica and I'm kinky as hell. Finding that was just fucking amazing. It was still one of my favorite pieces of yours. Having tell, read tell probably me. just about everything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Tell, telepaths don't need safe words blew open a lot of doors. And I wasn't necessarily expecting it to like blow things open. You know, I it was more like I gotta do something because I was writing erotic science fiction for myself um and just not finding anywhere that I could publish it. I mean, I published that, I self-published it in 1992. And I was working in book publishing at the time, you know, I sort of fresh out of college, working at, you know, at, at a press here in Boston, you know, nine to five job in the cardigan sweater and all, you know, <laughs> like doing the book publishing thing and then going home at night and writing my kinky stories and, you know, being on the early, early internet, you know, like on, on alt sex bondage on Usenet and just being <laughs> like, you know, and telepaths was originally posted in four parts to alt sex bondage. Because that was when posts couldn't be over 5,000 words long or 5,000 characters long, maybe. Mm-hmm. It was there was some limit on how long they could be. So it was, had to be broken into four pieces. Um, that's how long ago this was. I mean, you know, in, in the, it's like in the old days when we had to chisel things out of rock, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, in those days when you were going to be a writer, you went and you got the the writer's market book out of yeah. the library and you researched the markets or, you, you know, there were a couple of other like market listings kind of places then you wrote two places and you sent them a self-addressed stamped envelope and they sent you back the guidelines and you look to see if your story fit their guidelines and whatever and of course every place in the entire writer's market that would take erotica would not take science fiction and every place that would take science fiction would not take erotica and i was like how how can this be like how can it be that there's I'm the only person at this intersection like that just like I that can't be right and this is worse before I understood systemic sexism systemic racism so you know <laughs> you know etc but I was just like that's so weird you know and I just was like all right I got to do it myself and I was always you know had that you know punk DIY spirit so I literally photocopied the pages for that first chat book at my day job at the book publishing house <laughs> you know whatever like I was the assistant in the marketing department so it was my job to photocopy everything for everyone and so I would take and, but the photocopier was in our basement and our the marketing offices were on the third floor so it was my job to collect up everybody's stuff to be photocopied take it all the way down to the basement and then be down there for an hour or whatever and then come all the way back up with everyone's you know whatever so I just, you know, telepaths, the original one was 40 pages. So that's 10 sheets of, you know, page one, two, 40 and 39, you know, whatever, et cetera. And just, yeah, photocopied it, bought a big stapler for $11. That was my budget. I bought, you know, at, at, at Staples, you know, the office supply store. And it's like this big fat thing with giant staples and, you know, sat on the floor in my apartment, hand stapling that, um, I hand stapled a hundred copies brought them to a science fiction convention and I was sold out by by Saturday afternoon like I started selling them like out of my bag on a Friday night where I was just like I mean it was literally like I was opening my coat like hey you want some smut you know like and 
you know, I went, I went to one of the bookstores, you know, that had a table there. And I was like, by the way, do you think, you know, like they had some, some of the queer science fiction that had been published, you know, where they had books, books of Melissa Scott and, you know, some things like that. And I was like, by the way, you might be interested in that. And what I didn't realize is that they had a whole fanzine section that was all like hand stapled, like, you know, Star Trek slash fiction and stuff. And there she was like, oh yeah, we would do really well with this. And so, you know, she's like, I'll take two you know, 20 or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. So give her 20 copies. And the next time I walked to the dealer's room, she's like, how many more do you have? Can I have them all? I'm like, I'm sold out. <laughs> so it was like, okay, I think maybe we're on to something here. Right. And it was just like, and it was like, that's what it took for everyone to be like, oh, you know, literally people were like telling me the peanut butter and the chocolate can't go together. The peanut butter and the chocolate cannot touch or like, it's like matter, antimatter. And then of course it was just like Reese's peanut butter cups where it's like, they magically accidentally met together and people were like, oh it's delicious right and it was like boom all of a sudden people were like it just took like somebody to do it and then it was like oh now it's okay to do kind of but of course i mean it took the mainstream presses a little longer to catch up but i started getting manuscripts in the mail from you know members of the science fiction writers of america and whatnot being like oh i'm so glad you're publishing erotic science fiction here's my thing which i've had in a drawer you know, <laughs> and I was like, all right, so I should not just be self-publishing my own work. I should publish the work of others. Um, and, you know, since then, I haven't actually done that much self-publishing except when I had to. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like for the most part, my work now is published by others. But then I got to publish the work of other people who are like, I can't find a publisher. And it just kind of rolled that way. And now I'm not even the owner of Circlet anymore. Um, Circlet's now an imprint of Riverdale Avenue Books. And so in theory, I'm supposed to have more time to write and more time to, you know, work on my own <laughs> and whatnot. I'm still editing a few of my favorite authors from the circlet days, but uh, but yeah, Riverdale took took over the their sort of running of the company. So it's like all full circle. So now here I am back to self-publishing again. Um I'm doing this this I'm kickstarting this book called Bent for Leather, which is, you know, all of my absolute queerest, kinkiest stories where um and I decided to do this because I'm giving the keynote at International Ms. Leather uh, this year, which is, you know, long-running women's title contest. If you don't know what title contests are, people out there, it's sort of like, imagine if the Miss America pageant, but all in leather, okay? So, and, and it started with International Mr. Leather, which is all, you know, gay men doing, but it's like, it's a lot like Miss America, where essentially it's a pageant where you show off your outfits, but then you also give a speech about what you're going to do to improve the world and, you know, so forth and so on. And there are judges and there are, you know, so forth. And I've served as judge in a lot of different leather contests over the years, and um, but I never made it to International Ms. Leather. Um, and it's often on, been on the West Coast and it's yeah. like I don't get to the West Coast as often. I was supposed to fly to the West Coast and give the keynote speech in 2020, of course. And then it was canceled at the last. Yep. Exactly. Minute. They had bought my tickets, they had booked the hotel, you know, it was all set to happen. And then of course, everything shut down. And, um, and then there's been no in-person IMSL since then. And so then this year, the contest is actually under new ownership, new management, you know, whatever, a new crew are kind of trying to revitalize it after the pandemic years really, of course, put a big dent in their budget and in their, everyone's motivation, right? So it's going to be in New Jersey, um coming to the east coast and they're like would you still be willing to come and give that keynote speech and i'm like yes it'll be a very different speech than what i might have said pre-covid but yeah you know, um yeah 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 so i'm like all right let's put together a book of my quote-unquote lesbian stories 
lesbian kink stories because all of my previous short story collections have mixed together like gay and straight and men and women and you know science fiction and not you know whatever kinky and vanilla i mean you know it's everything all thrown together right because they're just done chronologically and i'm like let's do one where it's a to by topic you know and so a lot of these were in lesbian publications like like best lesbian erotica or yeah. in uh on our backs magazine back in the days of on our backs and you know things like wow. that but when I put them all together and actually looked at them side by side, I realized that actually the thing they have in common is not that they are quote unquote lesbian stories. It is that every single one of them centers a female bodied character who is questioning her masculinity, <laughs> you know, questioning or questing for her masculinity, you know, and I'm like, of course, that's me, <laughs> you know, and of course, no one but me is surprised by this because everyone else has been like, yes, of course, uh, you know. Um, it's like, I'm not confused about my gender. I'm confused about the fact that gender has to be a thing in the world, you know? So um, it's like, what is my gender? I'm a, I'm a bi-gender androgene and I always have been. So there, people always want to know what pronouns to use. And I'm like, any and all are perfectly fine. And I never know what to check on that. They give me a bunch of boxes. They give me more boxes than ever now. And I can't check any of them because, but you know. It's, so worse, I, it's bloody yeah. worse now than it was because back in the day, it didn't matter. You were just you. Mm -hmm. and, and I actually found I actually kind of found that easier because you could self-describe I suppose I think I think we have more versions of self-description I understand why pronoun usage is so validating for a lot of people um, and why using correct pronouns for people is so important to use it to validate people's hmm. experience. Um, but I read recently a, a speech that Leslie Feinberg, also known as Les Feinberg, um, gave in like 1995, maybe, or 93. It was like back in the early, in the early days. Um, and uh, I used to work at Beacon Press, which was the publisher that published Transgender Warriors, which was one of yep. Leslie's books. And um, on the Beacon website, there's the transcription of a, a, of a speech. And in the speech, Les talks about how pronouns have to change depending on the context. Um, and it was like, when I'm in a trans, you know, this is at like a transgender conference of sometimes. And it was like, when I'm at a transgender conference like this, you should use he, him, because then you are validating that I have chosen this masculine presentation. But when I'm out in the regular world, where I can pass as a man or be quote unquote mistaken for a man, you should use she, her, because otherwise you erase that I'm trans. Interesting. And this, yeah. And what was interesting about this is that, of course, in the early 90s, most of the quote unquote advice that we were given, if you had gender dysphoria or, you know, any, we're considering any form of transition was that like you, you could only be considered for transition if you kind of wanted to go all the way. You know what I mean? And it was like you were supposed to never mention your past. You know, it was like you had to go into like the witness protection program. It was like, never use your dead name. Don't this, don't that. And it was like, and for many people, that is the right choice. I mean, and cutting themselves off from from former toxic relationships and, you know, so on and so on really is Absolutely. the best thing for their mental health. But it isn't for everyone, you know, and for people who are like, I have a complicated gender identity and gender history and my point is not to just go from one extreme to a sort of simple answer now i am a man <laughs> you know and it's like was was sort of eye-opening to me i'm like oh okay yeah 
uh, it, it and well, then I, there are so many people that wouldn't fit. You know, I right, mean, right? Exactly. There, there's there's always nuance. I think I think the problem I end up having is, of course, social media and and the internet don't encourage nuance. So everything right. becomes, you know, right. you fall in one bucket or you fall in another. Right, bucket. right, right. We just have more buckets. But I I do like that nowadays, like non-binary is being essentially accepted as an identity unto itself. What confuses people out who are looking at it from the outside is that then they want all non-binary people to be the same. And what we're trying to say is, but the part of this definition is that we are not all the same, <laughs> you know? So in the same way as bisexual was like, people are not all bisexual in the same way. We're not all, you know, whatever. But of course, people want labels to be reductive and easy so that they can be like, oh, I know what you are. I know what you are. And it's like, I have to actually tell you, actually, you don't know what I am. But maybe if you read my books, you might get a clue. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's why I identify as queer because uh-huh. queer. Right. I mean, people have to ask me, um, right? Because right, right. I mean, my gender, my gender identity is actually simple. I'm female. I've always been female. I've never had a question about that. There's never been an issue for me. That's how mm-hmm. it is. But my sexual, my sexual identity is not is anything but simple. Right. And, um, and so, but for the most part has to do with power, um, power exchange. And so, right. you know, people would insist that I identify m- my sexual orientation based on the gender of people I'm interested in. And I was like, right. I don't care. Right. right. Are right. they dominant? Are they dominant? Right. Yeah. Then I'm interested in them. Right. Are, well, are they submissive sexually? Uh-huh. We're not exactly. going to, we're not going to connect. Right. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm a switch. So it I, that also is important to me, but <laughs> I, I have much more freedom, you know. So the thing that's interesting is that so putting this collection together, right? So I, I, I put all these stories together, I lined them up in a row, I looked at them, and I realized that what, why all of my gender explorations, you know, or, or all, all of these, these characters that I kept inserting who are, you know, assigned female at birth, but are you know, now asserting some form of masculine identity or or trying to figure out sort of where they fit in a sort of masculine context is because the sexuality in the story is all about the kink. And right. it, when it's all about BDSM and power exchange and, you know, whatever, it's like the genitalia are the last thing that are actually getting involved most of the time. And, you know, some of the early stories, the only reason that I end up putting some actual genitalia in there is because editors were like you know you need you need to specify what what this character is you know or whatever and kind of a thing and you know like that's the classic like writers group kind of advice right oh you've got to specify whether it's science fiction or fantasy you have to specify whether the ending is happy or sad or if it's you know whatever and i was like but like Marge Piercy's Woman on the Edge of Time is a happy ending if you believe it's science fiction fantasy and it's a tragic ending if you believe it's literature you know like that kind of a thing where you're like uh you know so i and you know nobody says marge piercy isn't letter isn't you know literary great right so it's like okay i'm uh you don't have to you don't have to you just think you have to right right exactly so um so you know so here are all these stories where i was kind of messing with the gender and then the stuff that i have been writing more recently um most of those are have been written basically since I got challenged by you. Probably knew Corey Alexander, yeah. Who also who also wrote wrote under the name Zan West. Yeah. Um, Corey was a trans activist, a BDSM activist, you know, a fat activist, a top, um, and a great great writer and a great advocate for writers. 
Um, and Corey basically challenged not just me, but I think a lot of writers, because I've now told the story and I've heard it from other people, to decouple your erotica from specific from specifying genitalia in order to make room for your trans and intersex readers to not get thrown out of the story um and of course right. it's a thing it's a thing in romance overall that people write characters in such a way that the reader can self-insert you know like this is a technique that you do right and i'm like you can write erotica that's extremely hot extremely you know whatever and still allow people of any gender to self-insert if you are basically careful about it, you know? So so almost all the erotic stories I've written in the past four years, well, I guess three years, you know, um, have been, uh, Corey passed in 2020 and issued this dictum about a year before that. So yeah, about three, four years. Um, just, you know, I've been like, all right, fine. And then and they work. I mean, some of these are some of the best stories that I've ever written. Uh, I've read them at some things, you know, whatever. And people are just like, wow, that was like the most amazing, you know, you played with the language so nicely and, da -da -da and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, because I was essentially forced to, because I essentially took specifying gender as a cliche that I'm now avoiding, <laughs> you know, wow. and I'm not going to avoid it in every story, you know, but it's uh, in fact, some of the stories now that I'm writing, I'm back around to specifically talking about characters who are born female and now are negotiating through sort of a, you know an identity which is different from what maybe their outward appearance is um and so forth so it's just it's just been a really interesting ride if you want to you know call I'm it I'm so looking forward yeah. to seeing so, this as a collection um yeah. I imagine that uh, I don't know if I will have read everything I I do tend to read <laughs> everything you put out um but it'll be interesting for me to actually see that mm -hmm. as a collection together, because I right. think you're going to read them differently when they come as a collection like that. Right. Right. I yeah. wonder, I mean, I, you know, I, I write a whole, you know, I've only been actually putting out anything that I wrote in the last sort of five years. Mm -hmm. um, and I write a lot less fiction um because mm -hmm. I'm mostly when my writing time gets stuck writing nonfiction, which is important and great but mm -hmm. you know it's not much not as much fun I wonder if I could accomplish writing it with without the genitals without gender it would be mm -hmm. an interesting exercise for me to see mm -hmm. what it would be like to try and do that I don't right. think I'm an accomplished enough writer of fiction to pull it off but I I, I I'd give it a damn good try to see what it yeah. Looks like. yeah well and you know it's helpful that literally because I'm writing often writing sort of BDSM and whatever, then it's like, you know, if you're talking about, you know, the hand spanking the ass or whatever, it's yeah. like, that, that could, be anybody's, have hand, could be anybody's butt, you know, whatever. And, and, like, there, and like, there are so many central parts of a human that are not the genitalia or that are not, you know, whatever. Um, it's just, yeah, that I'm like, I can sidestep this whole thing or I can sidestep it until I decide what gender this character is, because sometimes I just haven't decided, you know, yeah. and then it was a lot of my early stories that I realized later, oh, you know, I only made this, you know, cis uh, gay, because then that was the market I was going to send it to, you know, or I only made this, you know, whatever, because depending on where I thought I could sell it too, you know, and it's like, and of course the markets are very, very divided by genre and flavor and, you know, so forth. So it's like, 
yeah, it's like for it to go to honor backs, I needed to specify that it was, you know, that this is this is female characters. And for it to go to, you know, uh best gay erotica, obviously it has to be, you know, yeah, et cetera. So just although I have to say for me, I've never felt kicked out when it wasn't mm -hmm. I, 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 for me, when I read as a reader, mm -hmm. I've gotten just as turned on by like completely two two men. You know, mm -hmm. right, so, right, right, right. You know, right. I, like I can, I can feel myself in that story anyway. I've never, mm -hmm. and I, that's just me as a reader. That's the way I read. I don't have to fit it to get right. turned on mm -hmm. by it. Right. So right, I right. read everything. You know, I um, right. if I like an author, then I read everything that author's ever written. I mm -hmm. mean, and, and I go on from there. And and I'm stubborn about new authors too, as I've gotten mm -hmm. older. You know, it's like uh -huh. it, it, something really has to stand out before i'll grab it you know because it's like oh hmm. well but these people are putting things out and so i i only have this much time for reading i'm gonna i'm gonna go over it where i know uh, right. but when it comes to erotica it doesn't it so it's interesting to me because i know some people would really feel like i know some people who would never read gay erotica mm -hmm. because they're not gay yeah but and I know so would, many, yeah, yeah. Whereas I know so many people who do read gay erotica who are not gay. <laughs> yeah, me too. And part of it is because sometimes people don't want to see themselves in the fiction, you know, and they just want to read about those people over there and, you know, kind of and enjoy it in a kind of way where you don't have to feel it viscerally as, you know, like the, the, I've got friends who love romance. They love the love story and so forth and so on. But they're like, but I can't read another one that is too similar to my own situation mm -hmm. you know where they're like i'm in a crappy marriage that i you know whatever and it's my doing to you know uh, you know my choice though i were staying together and whatever and trying to work out our stuff and but yeah the last thing i want to do is read a book that reminds me of what we just talked about in therapy you know and so they're like but i can read about two men having relationship issues and then working out their stuff and having hot sex and whatever because then i don't have to i don't have to keep seeing myself in it you there's know. enough there's enough distance, enough also, distance. exactly i find I, I find with clients sometimes that um they want to read something that doesn't reflect them because they're afraid if they if they like the fantasy and it reflects them it means they have to do it right right you know so right. like there's that, there's that also you know two men beating each other then i can mm -hmm. live with that because it, it, i might find that really hot right but right. I'm not a man, so I don't have to do it, right? And I always find right. that so sweet. It's like you don't have to do it anyway. You right, right, exactly, fantasy. right, exactly. Trying to tell people that yes, your your fantasies are valid as fuel, even if you are not going out and buying the corset and putting the thing on or taking the classes and how to tie or you know whatever. It's just like you can you can just yeah exactly. One of the reasons I like to write erotic science fiction is because then it's really clear we are now in a fantasy world, you know, where it's like, okay, we're, we're disconnected from our current political context, our current way we think of gender, maybe I can put alternative family structure in if I want, you know, things like that. I can put in a magic way to get rid of STDs. I can, you know, just all those things, right? So um, it's... Well, it leaves it more for enjoyment. It's one of the things that I enjoy about I mean, I think science fiction and fantasy in general, um, and then erotic science fiction specifically, it allows you to step outside some of the stuff in your head. Right. But it also allows you to explore things. Um, James, right. Williams, James yeah. Williams, 
but I know what I want, that connect collection of mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of the deepest, darkest stories I have ever read that I adore. There are things in there mm-hmm. that you just don't want to like. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, like they are so fucking challenging. Mm-hmm. And yet they're really hot. And it's like, oh, I should not be being turned on by this. This is really so there's but James I, there's such a, a good yeah. James was such a good writer that he could basically make you kind of like things that you wouldn't have otherwise liked. And I, I find this true in like like fanfic that I write also. I under a pseudonym, I wrote like over a million words of Harry Potter fanfic in the mid 2000s when my when my regular career was in a slump I stayed in shape by writing fanfic and I um you know found a very supportive community of guess what women and queer people <laughs> you know who yeah. uh, you know uh who were just very into exploring all kinds of things and that meant both through literary conventions like you could just you could be experimental in a way that like your regular writers group would just be like what the hell is this you're not robert coover or whatever and or this uh, this was too confusing to you know people are like if harry and draco are going to kiss at the end of it i'll read any kind of experimental format you want you know and (laughs) that kind of a thing and because it's non-commercial it's all free all shared you know it's just it's just a gift economy of you leave a like if you liked it or you leave a comment you know and then maybe you you write a story for somebody who wrote a story that you liked, you know, like that kind of a thing. And just, you know, so, so you're not being driven at all by the, by the, the market, right. Just the market of attention of what do people like? What do you like? Self-expression was the name of the game. Right. And it's like so many of those, you know, I'd write some kink or whatever. And I would get the comments that were like, I never thought that I would like such and such but I like this, you know, that kind of stuff. Or like there, there's one famous one. Oh gosh, what's it called? I've forgotten the name of the fic because so I want I want to think of it so that you can Google it if you want. But it, it's it's basically a Snape Draco uh Harry threesome water sports. Wow. Series. It's like a series. So like it's like they they gradually explore water sports more and more. And 90% of the comments are people being like, oh my God, this is so hot. This is so amazing. I never thought that I, you know, like this was on my list of squicks that I never wanted right. to read. And then, but I knew, your, but I read your other thing and it was co-written by two writers. I want to say one of them, her fanfic name was Cruise Director and the other one was, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting this because this is one of those, like, I read this over and over and over again, <laughs> you know, and probably if you Google Cruise Director Water Sports, harry potter you may come up with it get it okay whereas if you just put cruise director water sports i'm not responsible for what you might find on the internet (laughs) (laughs) um you know uh besides the fact then you know your cookies will be trying to sell you carnival cruise lines trips or something (laughs) but yeah forever exactly but um yeah 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 yeah. but no uh, i love that i love that that whole like yeah people being like you're, they're so driven in by the writing and by the character and whatever that whatever the character's kink is they're like okay i can believe this and i said you know it's not to me that different from what a character eats in a story you know mm-hmm. whatever it's like yeah maybe you don't like spicy food in real life because it indigests you or whatever but you go through the sort of sensual experience of the character if the character likes it then you know you like it for them anyway, <laughs> you know. And you so. have to you have to buy into that, and that's that's one of the things about mm-hmm. and you, what one of the things I love about about 
that whole world of reading, which is um, why to me it's so important that people keep writing. You know, I mean, I've, you know, I've noticed recently um, AI cropping up in in stories mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And while it's oh very well, it's very useful to help me write a blog because what it will mean is instead of spending five hours writing something, I'll spend two because it'll still take me two hours to edit, get rid of the crap and put the the best stuff of mine in. But kind of the filler stuff, I can have somebody else write. That's not a problem. Mm -hmm. The definition, the hundredth time you wrote the definition of whatever, whatever, which you would have cut and paste in the past. Now AI Mm -hmm. just brings it up for you. But um, yep, yep, yep. Sorry, the cat just decided to get out of my lap all of a sudden. What are you, can you not do that right now? Okay, there. I love it. (laughs) All right, so much fun. Um, but you know th- that whole that whole um, trend towards people writing less and less, and mm-hmm. and people really having trouble with the idea, even with audiobooks, with the idea of reading. It's like they mm-hmm. don't realize that if it, this goes, then there's no story creation. Yeah, I don't know. I think some of the best the story creation is 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 what happens in writing. I think. I think we go through phases as, as humans and the way that we consume stories, you know, overall, and that every new invention of a new medium, you know, and so forth is going to shift that somewhat, but that you're always still going to need people who can do that kind of deep, deep work, if you want to call it that, you know, both the writing and the reading of it and editors who can edit on that deep level. And that, you know, even though, you know, TikTok is so popular and, you know, so forth and so on. What is TikTok doing? It's driving the sales of books. Yeah. Like, TikTok is the number one driver of, of book sales. And most people would not have expected that. Your average, like, pundit would be like, oh, TikTok is all about short attention span and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and then what do they do? They go out and buy books and they're they're reading them, too. It's not like they just buy them and don't, you know. So it's like they're driving the, the sales of books. If they drove many, many books up the bestseller list. At a time when, you know, the book industry is in all kinds of trouble for book industry is always in some kind of trouble, first of all. And then everyone thought that 2020 was going to be this terrible year because all the bookstores were closed and, the, you know, whatever. And it turned out to be one of the best years ever because people turned to buying especially backlist books that were already in stock because guess what? People had time on their hands and they rediscovered that they wanted to spend more time reading and they mm. wanted to spend more time shutting out all the bad news, the Twitter, you know, Twitter, whatever, et cetera. And they wanted to spend that quiet time. And especially with physical books, we thought, oh yeah, because ebooks will boom because people are at home and they can just download them. No, people like went and did curbside pickup at their independent bookstores yeah. all over, all and not just in the United States, all over the world. And it was like, well, yeah. that's interesting. So, so much for the death of reading, the death of the book, you know, and whatever. Um, you know, yeah, pe- people still value, and it's, and it's not, generational it's not like oh it was all old people doing it it's like every generation rediscovers their what are their books what are their voices that they you know and then they read them over and over again too it's like well yeah that was the other thing so like i have a a set of books i read every year since um oh my god since 1984 Mm -hmm. um was it yeah no it was 1984 um and um and usually once a year yeah once Mm -hmm. a year and this year, I'm on my fourth time through. Oh gosh, because you're, you're there, your comfort reads. <laughs> yes, and it's like uh-huh. I want to sit. I want to sit in that world for a while, 
Um, mm-hmm. And someday I will probably, I've written little sketches to continue the story because they're not going to be continued ever, right? Mm-hmm. The author right. is never going to pick this project up again, mm-hmm. ever, mm-hmm. ever. Right. That author's right. gone right. on to right. other things that have no resemblance to any of the things that mm-hmm. I loved, right? Right. So I'm like, I should, I should write, I should take the story further. Mm-hmm. I should do it. And I never have, but I, but I think maybe I will now that I'm on the fourth time through. You know, mm-hmm. I can like recite yeah. dialogue, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, the archive of our own is always waiting for your fanfics at any time. <laughs> oh my God, there's so much, there's so much to do there, you know. I know there's so I know. much to do there. It's funny because I keep thinking that I've sort of left some of my previous worlds behind. And then these, you know, these story opportunities or story ideas come up. So it's like, I keep thinking I've written the last story I'm ever going to write in, in Magic University, say, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, um, you know, and then like an anthology comes along and I'm like, oh, you know, a magic use story would work there, you know? So it's like, like we did an anthology, uh, was it, I think came out last year called, um, school books and sorcery. And, um, and it's undoubtedly on the shelf behind me now, if I went and looked for it, but it's, so it's a YA collection, but of all sort of magic school stories, right. Um, that are sort of post Harry Potter and, not explicitly stated is that there are lots of sort of queer and trans characters in this mm-hmm. anthology. Um, and guess what? I wrote an assigned female at birth character who, in, but she's a teenager who's trying to figure out her, try to figure out her gender stuff. At the same time, of course, she's figuring out her magic stuff, which is, of course, all tied together, right? Um, so, you know, it has a cameo from one of the main characters from Magic cool. U, you know, whatnot like that. And He's also never really dealt with his gender stuff. Um, and he's not, he's the love interest. He's not the main character in the, in the series. So it's like, so you get to see from his point of view a bit more um, some of what's going on with him and, you know, things like that. And I'm like, okay, that was fine. You know, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, all right, that, that nice little cap on magic university. And then somebody just sent me a call for submissions for like a dark academia uh, anthology, which is, I guess, a, a genre unto itself now, dark academia. And I'm like, oh my God, oh, you know, <laughs> there is a lot of stuff that would fit in it you know so i who knows maybe another magic use story will be coming along but so but first have i have to write i have to write another story for bent for leather though yep. because the the kickstarter you know had it reached a goal where now i have to write a new story and then um we had a i had a party for backers online the other night and we played some games and the the prize for the ultimate winner was i let them send me uh three prompt words that I'm going to use in the story or, you know. Oh, fun. Yeah. So now I'm like, okay. So now, I've, and I just got the words in email. So now I have my, my assignment cut out for me. I have to, it's I like, okay, write an, erotic, write an erotic story that fits with the other stories in this collection, you know, so some kind of kinky, you know, lesbian slash trans, trans male, you know, erotica. Um, and that has the following things, you know, so it's like, okay, I'm not going to reveal what the words are. I'll wait, wait, you have to read the book to find out what they are, but yeah. Oh, but I will, can't wait. It will fit <laughs> so right exciting. in. So yeah. So in, I have writing time later today. Uh, the Science Fiction Writers of America has an online writing date every Sunday afternoon where it's basically like force yourself to write by peer pressure. So we all get in a Zoom and we, you know, set a timer and etc and so it's like I think okay, that's a great idea I used that's to what I'm doing with my writing tonight yeah. is I'm going to try to I try to write to, a new story 
I love it. I used to do that with a friend of mine where we that we just did time trials and mm-hmm. we stopped and we really should start again because I like it keeps me on task when I do shit like that. It's so, like having a gym buddy who goes to the, the gym with you, you know, except that except that it's writing. Yeah. So everybody, if um, if you don't know Kickstarter, go look it up. It's great. It's a a fabulous way to crowdfund. Um, There are a few crowdfunders. Kickstarter is probably one of, I think was one of the first and um, is is one of the most robust. Um, This is still, this Kickstarter is still live. You've got a couple more days. Um, Do go and contribute to this Kickstarter. Um, Grab yourself a fun perk. Um, and also um, see if we if there's more stretch goals that can be reached. Uh, I think the next one that's coming up is another piece of interior art. We already got one piece, and so now a second one. If we pass another five hundred dollar threshold, I think the next next one is uh, um, is another piece of interior art. And then yeah, I think if we, if we reach four thousand, uh, I actually I haven't checked it today, so it might well have. While well, I wasn't paying attention, but <laughs> yeah, so a couple couple days left to uh to add a couple more things and you know and right now i'm not planning to sell this book like you know to a publisher right now it's and i mean maybe a publisher will take it but right now it's in the state where no publisher was sort of interested in this kind of thing and i'm like i can actually earn more by publishing it myself and then i can do it the way i want and i don't have an editor telling me but you have to specify the genders of these characters (laughs) you know yeah i I think i'm not (laughs) Sometimes people don't realize that, um, you know, oftentimes self-publishing um, actually nets the author more money. And, and right. um, I, you know, I've made that choice myself. I particularly mm-hmm. did that with my erotic memoir because there's no way that an editor would have passed some of the stuff that I put in. And I was uh-huh. like, but it's my story. It's my life. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. And so there, I there. want to put my erotica with my life and I don't want to be told this is too severe or right. Exactly. So, exactly. I, so I decided I wouldn't even try. Um, yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, I, you know, if I told you what my royalties are for what for the book that I have with a mainstream author, how um, how the book was written in 98 and I still uh, probably have not been paid for the amount of time I spent <laughs> on that book, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it just, it, it's hard, you know, there's yes, there's kudos in going with the major publisher, but it definitely, and you do get a larger readership, but it definitely does not. Right. Um, yeah. It doesn't pay most authors a living wage. Yeah. I agreed. And, you know, I've had books of every size and I've published with every different publisher and when they pay off, you know, like when the gamble pays off, you know, a book does really well and then it does well in several countries and, you know, so forth and so on. And then it's like, all of a sudden you pay off all your credit card debt that you had built up over <laughs> the past 20 years of promoting yourself and, you know, so forth and so on. Right. But, um, you know, it, you know, that one bestseller can wipe out 20 years of, you know, not whatever, but then, but then you go, I mean, the stage now we were just talking about how it's like, oh, you know, unexpected dental work or unexpected veterinary bills. It's like, yeah, no, I don't have that cushion. So, you know, yeah, hard. authors need, need, absolutely need their, yeah. their, um, yeah, yeah. their self-publishing, their fan mm-hmm. communities, um, their Patreons, all of these ways in yeah. which they exactly are helped to have the mm-hmm. wages that they should have. Cause it's really right. only the JK Rowling's and stuff that don't have to think about it. Right. Right. Exactly. There's a small little tip of the iceberg that are at the very top of the, of the money curve, 
you know, and Stephen Kings of the world. And, you know, and it's, you can't, you can't really count them as like the example because they're such a small number of people. It's like, just like there's, you know, only so many, whatever Elon Musk's and just Bezos's and whatever, but it's like, but many of the people who work for them, you know, in, in tech are still receiving, you know, decent wages, but then a lot of people working in the warehouses and, you know, whatever aren't. And it's like in the publishing biz, it's like the writers are the people in the warehouse who are always scrabbling for the last piece of the, of the, of the profit puzzle, you know? So, um, and of course, without us, there is no industry, there's no product, but, you know, try, try telling that to, uh, you know, a major late stage capitalism corporation. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Oh my yeah, goodness. So, um, do go contribute to this Kickstarter. Is there any other way that people should get in touch with you if they want to get in touch and uh, where's the you know- place to find your books? Yeah, I'm easy to Google. Uh, you can find me at ceciliatan.com. Um, uh, you can also, if you use a, a service called bookshop.org, mm-hmm. um, which is an alternative to Amazon, if you are like me boycotting Amazon because of, oh, shenanigans with union busting in their warehouses or whatever, or you just don't like them, <laughs> you know, for other reasons, uh, you know, bookshop.org is a great place to um, essentially buy books online and then they donate money back to independent bookstores, to local oh, independent cool. bookstores, so that, yeah, they're helping to really sort of sustain the industry in a way that's uh, much more sustainable. And then, like with Amazon, authors can create referral links. So if you buy through bookshop.org after going through my website to get there, I get a kickback, too. So, like, that's a great way. Um, honestly, the best way to support authors is buy their books however you prefer to buy them. Um, every copy you buy at Amazon helps the algorithm to bring an, an author's books up in searches more often. Um, you know, things like that. If you buy your books at Target, that's great too, you know, like wherever. Um, probably I don't have any books in Target right now, but at, you know, there have been times when that's one of the reasons to go to the major publishers so that the book is piled up in Target and your mom's friends can take pictures of it and tag you on Facebook being like, I saw your book in Target. <laughs> you know? I don't think we yeah. ever, I don't think I ever got to Target, but I am. Um... <laughs> I did end up in um, in uh, Barnes and Noble, and that oh, was a big okay. deal. Family friends, right, right, right. right family friends are like, <laughs> right, right, right. So much fun when my my mom's friends are tagging me on Facebook and being like, "I saw Peggy's daughter's book on the bed." <laughs> I love yeah. It. yeah, yeah, they're great. They're oh, great. brilliant! So, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. This was this my was fun. Pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening again this week. And next week, the letter will be you. Um, As usual, I am asking you to leave a review. I recognize that so many of you don't like to take the time to do this, but please, please, please leave a review. If you do, you'll be entered in the draw for a free half hour with me. You can talk about whatever you want. You can ask any questions you want. And these days, it's really hard to get time with me for free. So this is the easiest way to do it. Do email me that you've left the review so I know to throw your name into the pot. And I draw one name a month. If there's only one review in a month, then only one name is there to get drawn. So who knows? It might even be easy. You never know. If you've got ideas for shows or people that you want to hear, please email me. It's Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com. Have a wonderful week. Stay safe. And I will see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. 
or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review wherever it was you listened to it, but especially head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Reviews really help the show get out there. If you want to support my work, you can support it through my Patreon page. That's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Patreon.com. You can also head over to DrLoriBethBisbee.com and subscribe to my free mailing list, which will keep you updated as to the activities I am getting up to and any special appearances. For people who subscribe to the Patreon, there are special broadcasts, merch, um, and the opportunity to get discounted tickets to a lot of the events that I do. Knowledge gives you power. The more you know, the better your relationships, the better your satisfaction and joy. If you've got suggestions for the show, comments or questions, do email at Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com and I will try and incorporate them. Have a wonderful week filled with loads of joy.